BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Well, Rod, I think uh, before every season, you have to go on a long vacation if uh, we're going to open up week one <laughs> like that. Yeah. What a way for the Niners to open up the season 30 to seven in Pittsburgh over a Steelers team that a lot of people were thinking that uh, was going to be much improved. Uh, and not, that this is not to say that they aren't going to be because I think they just played a team that was a little bit better than them and they got off to a bad start. But the 49ers, the way that they started this game, it kind of made me think about the preseason and just like, why do we even watch the preseason? <laughs> because it was pretty clear they didn't really want to show too much in the preseason. And, you know, we were kind of like, yeah, they didn't play great. There's certain things that they could have done better, but it was so meaningless if we're just basing it off of how they opened the season. So good win, 30 to 7. What was uh what was like your main takeaway of this game? Well, it was a pretty clean game. Um there's, you know, my slant of watching games. I mean, there's plenty to nitpick, but it was yes. it was really really overall, it was a a really professional performance. Um Ayuk was massive he was really great christian mccaffrey is you know one of the best backs in the league brock was you know efficient and um played the point guard beautifully um debo looked good i mean it was it was just a um it was a real real um workmanlike performance it was it was good i mean they never they were they were in control from the gate and um never really that last drive of the half they got kind of loose but um but other than that again like i say i could you know burford with three penalties we'll we'll we'll, we'll nitpick a little bit down mm-hmm. the line here because i think yeah. you know you're right in a game like this when you're up by so much sometimes you're kind of looking for the negative because you're like mm-hmm. 
you know, what, what am I missing? You know, is there something that I'm missing? And uh, I think offensive line is what we talked about all preseason long. Mm-hmm. And I think that is probably the, the, the same concern, but you know, you talked about Brock and let's lead with Brock because he is the quarterback. He is, you know, the most important person on the offense as the offense goes. I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter today and they said, that they didn't believe in Brock. And I was like, yeah, I, I can get that. You know, he doesn't have to be as good as he was at the end of last season, but if he's comparable, I think, you know, I think he's going to be good. And then, then this person also said, well, it's not like they improve the offense a ton. And I said, well, what they do have now is Brock and CMC at the beginning of the year, which we did not have last year. And you have improvement, improved play from Ayuk. Debo is healthier. Uh, you know, the announcers definitely made a big, big po- uh, point about him and Shanahan kind of having that meeting where Shanahan told him, like, you know, it's, it you you really need to get better, not not stay the same. But the main thing, and I'm watching this game, the main thing that is different is. They have a quarterback who can improvise when needed. And that is the main difference to me about Brock and and Jimmy. Because Jimmy, I think Jimmy would have had a pretty good game in this environment as well. It would have been a little bit of a different game. But there would have been moments where I also think that they would have had stunted drives because Jimmy would have had to dump quickly or just take sacks where Brock was able to improvise. He did the one spin move to get out left and to throw back uh, back to Debo, I believe. And there were other moments where he was able to scramble and get yards. Now, he did take a, a blind sack, which I was a little worried about. Uh, he did not see TJ Watt coming. Uh, and then when there was the moment where he had the fumble and uh, he was able to hold the fumble. Uh, so he had his moments as well where he was kind of having to scoot around but I think that's the main difference is you can extend drives a you have you have CMC and he's he's the ultimate uh Swiss army knife and B, and B you have a quarterback whose instinct is not to drop it off at the sign of danger because he believes that he can get around or or or, or get a couple extra seconds with his feet and I think that is a, that is pretty that is a pretty big change from uh, from this year uh, this year from last year. And I think it, I think it, I just saw it like more pronounced. Uh, and you know, I, I I I'm I'm a decent Jimmy fan. I don't I don't hate Jimmy at all. We could have used him on the uh, on the uh, the the third and one where uh, CMC got stopped on the uh, on the dive. But that's the, that's the difference to me is they. They have an they have an ability to extend plays that they wouldn't have had last year, um, but ultimately that's my takeaway uh, on on the Brock stuff for today. All fair points. Um, yeah. Now there's comparisons out there. Obviously, we 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 already mentioned the you know everyone likes to compare him to Montana because they're kind of built similarly, but you know uh, again just watching him play you you said it best point guard workmanlike. He reminds me of if we could dial back the freneticness a little bit of Jeff Garcia and still have 
uh, Jeff being able to to make big plays. Like I think that's the perfect thing that we need out of out of Brock to expect him to be Joe or Steve uh, is is too high. Like that is just you're talking about the ultimate. You know that you're talking about top ten quarterback of all time. But if you look at what Jeff Garcia did in the early 2000s for the Niners, he did. Jeff himself didn't have a big arm. What Jeff had was a willingness to trust himself, not only to throw, but also to run. Now, there was a risk thing with Jeff where he was maybe a little bit too confident in himself sometimes. But I think if Brock kind of takes the takes the good of Jeff and maybe pulls back on on some of the things that, you know, where Jeff would just throw a pick for no reason. I think that's kind of what we need from Brock. And that's kind of what I saw today was, uh, you know, sort of the best of Jeff Garcia without some of the things that would make you scratch your head about Jeff. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really put the ball in harm's way, which was, you know, something that he did a bit last season, um, which is good. I mean, if he doesn't do that and doesn't take sacks, I mean, he has shown the ability to get the ball to his playmakers. And I, I, you know, I have questioned him, and I still have questions moving forward, but none of the questions that I have are going to be answered or even are even going to be asked, you know, in the next couple of years, you know, questions like what happens when he gets paid and what happens when he doesn't have <laughs> an all pro um, set of weapons and, and he's making 30, 40, 50 million dollars and the supporting. Ca- so which will mean that he is responsible for making plays and he's going to have a bunch of replacement level dudes out there. Is he that dude? I don't know, but you know, again, that's something for way far into the future because this year he's straight and with the moves that they made, which I hope we talk about at some point, but that they made um, with the cap, they're straight for next year. I actually Um, wanted to talk about that right now when you just said um, that. So, yeah. So for what he is being asked to do right now, I think nine games, 10 games now, I think – I'm pretty comfortable in saying that he is, he can do what he's been asked to do. So there was an article that Dave Lombardi wrote. uh, It was either yesterday or this morning about the restructuring of some deals to open up cap space for this year. Now, as I've, as I've said, I don't understand how any of this works because it just seems impossible, but the gist, and I can't read throughout all the technical mumbo jumbo without just, getting bored but Mm -hmm. from what i understand is they just up the guarantees and uh and the money that they're willing to pay out now and which opens up money for the future and so it sounds like armstead um armstead trent and somebody else got some got some money reworked Kittle. kittle which gives them money to spend in this year's cap. They also did the Zane Gonzalez thing where they came to an injury settlement. So his cap hit was like 250,000 versus a million or something like that. So why do you think that they, they wanted to open up this money for this season's cap? Uh, like was the, there's gotta be a, a strategy here. Um, they just didn't do it, you know, to, they could have, 
op- they they could have adjusted cap stuff just to kind of make make things a little bit m- more breathable. But forty million under the cap. What do you think was the reason for that? Well, I think, and that is, you know, because now people are speculating on what they're going to do with all that money. I think the lead has been buried. The fact that they are $40 million over, that money can roll into next year yes. where they were $40 million over. So they could be even, cap. essentially, they for could next be year. Even for next year, which was the big thing, alleviating the concern about next year's cap, which I think is what it is. is they okay. have... They've um, they've evened up the books for next year, and um, so now we've got a a, a legit two year window, um, with this, which is what we talked roster. about last week, right? So I think that's what it is. I don't, I you know, I guess if something juicy makes itself available, like my dream of money, trading for a right tackle, right? If if something <laughs> like that opens up, I, I'm sure it gives them the flex. They would, you know. You got a, you know, a bird in a hand beats two in the bush. So if you could fix right tackle this season and then worry about the 15 or $20 million that you're over next year, right? we'll, we'll you know, we'll jump off that bridge when we get to it. Um, but that's what I would, the next thing I would look at is, um, you know, right around the trade deadline, if any of these teams that are not going anywhere and they've got, you know, an expensive tackle that they might be willing to part with to just, you know, get cap relief or a pick or two that the 49ers are, you know, they have the most cap room of anybody in the league. So they, they're in the catverse seat. For, and that's really, to me, unless, you know, knock on wood injuries, that's really the only weakness I really see in this, um, and this team really is in the offensive line. Um, as we sit right now, we had a bit of a scare with Trent going down because that, you know, we talked about that during the offseason that if, if he were to get hurt, um, no disrespect to Jalen Moore, but um, that would be a problem. Um, we can't afford to lose him. And we, you know, it was something I noticed. Um, we were running the ball very well to the left. Um, and you know, that's, that's where we're going to make hay because, you know, um, McKibbitz and Burford and to a lesser extent, um, Brendel are still huge question marks over there from the center over to the right side. Um, so if you could do anything, a guard or a tackle, cause I've, there has been some talk. There was some talk around camp that, um, Burford could, could possibly kick outside to tackle if needed. So if you could get any kind of um, solid lineman over there on the right-hand side, even a guard um, that maybe made that possible, I think we're still in a position where upgrading on that side of the line should be something that um, is a consideration, be it free agents. I mean, um, be it be a trade, be a free agency or, the draft, whatever, that is still a question mark on this team moving forward, I think. Now, calling for McKivitz's replacement in week one is unfair. Yeah, and uh, he was playing against T.J. Watt, which, I mean, playing against as, TJ. as Shelvin, you know, um, pointed out during our little chat that, um, you know, he's not the first person that T.J. Watt has given the business. So, yes. you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt. But, you know, the counterpoint is 
he was supposed to be, according to the fan base, he was supposed to be this huge upgrade pass protection-wise over McKibbitt, and that was supposed to um, offset the fact that he was a huge minus um, compared to, um, excuse me, McGlinchey um, in the run game. Because there's yeah. no question about that. McGlinchey is a way better run blocker yes. than um, McKibbitt. But he struggled, and he probably would have struggled today too. Against, yes. But, I mean... It would have been a bigger bullseye on his head yeah, than it was. But on I mean, you know, okay, but that, you know, that's like 20, 22 to 25 of the right tackles in the NFL probably would have struggled today yeah. against TJ Watt. So, it's, so while um, it wasn't a good performance, I, I'm going to pump the brakes on, like you say, you know, trying to replace him. Um, we'll see. We, you know, um, We'll see next with the next few weeks. We'll we'll tell the tale if that is really a huge cause for concern or if this was just a blip and that he's gonna have trouble against dudes that everybody in the league has trouble against. I, I wish and, and I don't know, maybe maybe you can do this, but I would love to see like a super cut of every one of their battles because on the sacks he was just going right around him. And so what I was thinking is, oh, he must have been setting him up by going inside a lot because the two sacks, and especially the one where Brock could have got killed, all he did was just went right around him. And it was almost like, like what else, you know, what what was what was uh, McKivitz looking for him to it, do? And, and I wonder to, if he was just setting him up inside a lot. It had to be something like that. Because like you say, on those ones where he went outside, it was like he really had no shot. No. And and it wasn't like he was, you know, it wasn't like Watt was getting pressure on every single snap. Um, so it's like you it's, it's just like you said, it seems like he was setting it up, and especially in those high leverage situations where, you know, when they really needed to play, TJ was able to to go outside and get what they needed. Um, so like you say, it would be interesting to kind of just supercut. McKivitz and see exactly which you know we'll be able to do yeah. um you know once the um, all 22 is up um it which since I haven't you know I I don't really have any other games to watch this week it doesn't seem <laughs> like so this that'll be something that I can um highlight and we can talk about next week for sure yeah all right so we need to talk about some of these uh performances today because there were some really good ones especially offensively uh, Brandon Ayuk came out and it was almost like he was inspired by Bosa getting his money and Debo getting his money last year. He just came out like a ball of fire. So he scores the first touchdown. And uh, it was funny because uh, it, it happened so quickly and they scored so quickly that you didn't even really get to study the play. And then Patrick Peterson made a play. Like the next time the Niners had the ball, the announcers were mm-hmm. praising Patrick Peterson. And then you go back to the touchdown, and you're like, oh, I you juked this man out of his shoes uh and bef- you know, before the before the score. And then you look at Patrick Peterson's stats. I think he had the one pass defense that that mm-hmm. we saw, and then he gave up two touchdowns. Yeah, no tackles. And this is not a diss at Patrick Peterson. There's more so like the 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 narrative of the game is sort of what the announcers want to talk about. And what I saw was, I, I, I called him, uh, Ayuk was like Ozone from breaking. Like he pop locked him and cut on him right. And then he went left and was like wide open for that easy score to open the game. 
Mm-hmm. But man, Ayuk just gets open because he was so wide open in this game. There were there was one play where I there wasn't a guy like two yards around him circumference wise, and he was just he was just wide open. And Brock just like Brock didn't have to throw it hard; just threw a lob over there, and Ayuk's open. Just amazing performance today by Brandon. And I'm not a Patrick Peterson apologist, but there were a lot of people talking about how old he was and whatnot, but he played really well last year. And even to me on that second one, he was in pretty good position. Um, Ayuk just, you know, he made a great catch yeah. to adjust to that ball and he just played great. So for me, I'm always very leery. A boxing coach told me one time when my teammates were like talking crap about a dude that I just beat. He was like, told me, pull me to the side and say, you're the last person on earth that should be down in this dude because it doesn't do anything but just diminish your performance. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't... You didn't beat I'm anybody. Not, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to... Yeah, so I'm not going to diminish Patrick Peterson. I'm here to big up um, B.Y. in the all-around great game he had. The stats I had on him, which, again, I didn't... I stopped, honestly, to start setting up around eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. But I had him down for the two touchdowns. Um, I had him for full, you know, six first downs and then the huge block to open up um, McCaffrey for the touchdown, um, him and Ray Ray. So he just had an all around great game um, and just kind of picked up where he left off in training camp. He was, you know, I'm not going to, I can't, you know, with all the other guys we have, it's hard to say that one, because Debo is still a monster. Yep. Um, so it's hard to say that he's our best receiver. I, if you want to give him the best route runner, I'll give you that. But I still, you know, I'm one who still thinks that Debo is one of the best weapons um, all around in the NFL. Um, so there's that. And you, if you just look at the way the play selection and play call goes, that Debo is still the ex receiver in this offense. And, in the Kyle Shanahan offense, that always has been Andre Johnson or Julio Jones. And that is Debo in this offense. And that's no disrespect to um, Ayuk. It's just, you know, Debo is, he's that dude. But, uh, you know, Ayuk could, he'd probably be, if it, if it wasn't for Debo, he clearly would be the X mm-hmm. in this receiver and has all the talent in the world. So it's like we've got two of them. Yeah. Really, and it just the way it sets up is it makes it so much easier for Brock to just, you know, which I have to credit him for is how calm he is to just kind of see what the defense is giving him and then just taking what they give him. And if they're gonna let you know IU run open across the middle, there ain't no, there's no need to force it like most teams. You know, you got to try to, you know, if you watched any of the Vikings, I was kind of zooming around the way Cousins kind of forces the ball. And I mean, and rightfully so, because Jeff, Justin Jefferson is that dude. So if you're going to force it to somebody, mm-hmm. force it to that guy. Um, and that's what most teams do. If you, I mean, that's what, that's what Pickett was doing with Pickens. He's just, yeah, if, if every you, time he needed just to get rid of the ball, it's going to Pickens. If you got a dog, that's what you do. That's, you know, mo- for most part, you know, that was Jerry Rice's career. You know, if, you know, it, 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 you know, when in doubt, just get Jerry the ball, which makes perfect sense to me. You, you, you trust <laughs> that he's beating the guy. Right. Um, 
greatest receiver of all time. So, but so yeah, that's fine. But it allows you to not have to force the ball to Christian or force the ball to Debo. Just take the open man, and that was what he did several times to Ayuk. And he's gonna win, and he's gonna catch it, and he's gonna make a play afterwards. So it's again, it's just in a, it, it, what it speaks to is we have this embarrassment of riches and you're going to have somebody like George Kittle, who's one of the best weapons in the league, who's going to be, you know, getting like two or three targets a game, which, you know, which is, um, it, it, it just speaks to the embarrassment of riches. Yeah. And he'll, um, he'll have his opportunities uh, down the line mm-hmm. where they're going to need him to their Brock is going to need Kittle to make plays. The what the, uh, uh, an easy statistic for this game which just shows kind of what we're talking about. Ayuk had eight targets and eight catches. So they're just you. You can't. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm stating the obvious, but you can't get any more efficient than that. Yeah. Um. And you know that was you know people were talking about the season that he could have, and it wasn't that I was ever down on him. My question was always with him was going to be volume. With any of these guys, really, when you started talking about overs and counting stats is how the target distribution was going to was going to go and um you know it was it was pretty even today um i i i had kittle down for less than that but he had six targets today which is you know if he could do that every game you know he wasn't very efficient he only caught half of them um, yeah it, there was one that was a little bit of a fireball that he yeah. should have caught. Mm-hmm. And then I think that there was one that was a little off target. It was just I don't, I don't remember the third one though. Yeah. I, you know, I don't either. And I, I, I had him down for a drop on one and then Brock on a miss on the other one. But, um, I, caught all of his Devo was five of seven. Um, it was Jennings. I think who only, I, I only remember one target, one target. for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and CMC, that was that one play that, um, that that one good play that um Peterson made Peterson made um but yeah so um yeah so that is you know it, it was always going to be a challenge my my thought process was always that um you can you know statistically you can always count for like 20% of the targets to go to the others um so in our case it'd be like Jennings and Dwelly and um Ray Ray and Nothing dudes like that. Yeah, you can you can usually count on that. It's very rare that you get an equal distribution of a hundred percent of the targets going to your in this case four top targets. But we damn near did that today. Twenty six of the twenty eight um, were distributed between um, those top four guys. So um, something that I didn't think would happen happen this week i don't know if it you know if it it probably ends up evening out over over an entire season but um yeah and then you look at you know somebody like mccaffrey who i was questioning his rushing yard totals because i just didn't think he would get enough um enough um enough rushes to like challenge for the league but i mean if he's gonna go for seven yards a carry um you know then he because that you know i figured this is that's right where you want him to be if you can keep him between 20 and 25 um that's right where you want him to be but i i was not 
I'm going to be the first to admit, I didn't have seven yards of carry on my bingo card. Um, so, yeah, that um, was very, very, a very I mean, impressive even, even twenty, Even 20 carries now, you know, he, he will probably miss a game or two this year. Running back is a very hard position on the body. But even at 20 carries, that's still 300 and over 300 carries in the season, plus all the other touches he gets passing the ball. I would imagine, unless it's a game, you know, where the maybe in this case, 49ers wanted to run out the clock, so he got a little bit more. I would have liked to see a little bit more of Elijah Mitchell. And some, I wonder if some of that is, Elijah Mitchell himself is dinged up. So you don't, you don't really know what you have there. So you kind of lean towards CMC because, you know, I, in, in a, in a tight game, in a divisional game, in a, in a game against Seattle where you need to win. Yeah. 25 carries for CMC grind it out in a game like this, when you're up by so much, I really would have liked them to pull it back a little bit because, you know, 20 is still, is still pretty high uh, on a running back. Who's, you know, who's, who's had some issues with his wheels over the last few years. And I'm full disclosure. Um, one of my former alma maters is the university of Louisiana Lafayette, where um, shout out to ERAS own Elijah Mitchell. He went there. <laughs> so I'm kind of an Elijah Mitchell apologist. So he didn't have much of a camp, but the fact is he wasn't very effective today. So, I, you know, so even if Kyle wanted to get him more touches he didn't really do much with the touches he got. So, um, yeah, you know, five which, for 10, which makes it interesting to see that we didn't see JP at all. Um, no, no JP like, and TDP was not on the active roster. And so we were talking about that in the preseason, who was going to get the, the, the spot on, you know, to, to be on the active roster between, uh, JP and, and TDP. And for this week, at least they, they had JP out there. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, it was just a, a great all-around first win, especially as we kind of talked about in our preseason lead-up to this game, you know, especially considering the last two season openers have not been great in terms of coming out and handling our business early. Um, we did that. And, I mean, we were pretty much in control the entire way. Um, like I say, beyond that, that last drive of the um, second quarter where our coverage got inexplicably loose for some reason. Um, and they took, they took advantage of the Niners pulling Bosa out and then they just ran hurry up. So they couldn't even get the guy back on the field. Right. I mean, <laughs> and they seemed like they did, they, they, you know, clearly had him on a pitch count and they did a really good job of, um, you know, keeping him where they needed him to be um, for somebody. And, he didn't really do much, you know, pressures or anything, but yeah. um, his presence was felt and he didn't have any camp. So again, like I just said about Mitchell, you know, we have high expectations with him, but you know, he's only human. And I mean, he, yeah. this is his first football of this, you know, of the summer slash fall. So, um, you know, I think it was a good performance and he seemed to come out unscathed, which was, a concern that you Shelvin and I seem to have, um, you know, once he signed was that you know, he didn't tweak anything like, um, you know, Cam, Cam Hayward did with his groin. And um, as they mentioned in the, in the, in the broadcast, I mean, with big guys like that, 
you get an injury like that, that's it's, it tends to linger. And it's hard, you know, when you're moving the way those those big dudes are moving for that to ever kind of really heal unless you just shut it down. Because one, you know, he tried to go back out there and give it a go. And, um, you know, it was clear quickly that um, that was just a non-starter. Um, so it looks like we got, you know, we, we came away unscathed on that front, which is just a, you know, which is a win just all the way around. Now I noticed that we had some, uh, some new downloads this week for folks listening to the podcast version on the, uh, the BSPN network. Uh, so I wanted to just, you know, for these new listeners, when, when Rod and I mentioned Shelvin, Shelvin is basically the third man on this show, even though he is not actually, you don't ever hear his voice because Shelvin is somebody who's been in our, when, when I was on Facebook, in the Facebook group, he's in the Discord, super active. We got, you know, Shelvin, you may hear the, the name Robert Ramos, who I've known since he was like one years old. Um, you may hear Rick. Rick is the OG. So, the, you know, a little bit of a vocabulary of who's who for, uh, for this show. But I uh, just want folks to know who Shelvin was. Shelvin is... He's like an executive producer almost. Yeah, he's always he's always checking in on us. He's always feeding us information. Like like if we're doing this show and Shanahan's on the press conference, then he'll he'll feed us information. So shout out to Shelvin, who is uh, who is always there. Shelvin, Rick, Robert, all the OGs. Uh, okay, so you mentioned previous opening weekends. And I didn't even tell you that I was doing this, but since the game was a little bit out of hand uh, in, in in the second half, I decided to go to uh, Pro Pro Football Reference and look at all of the opening opening games for the 49ers starting in 1981. I, I didn't go back any further than that, so that's still a very long time. Long time. And. I was just wanting to look at what were some of the best week ones. And I, you know, there's really no correlation with great season. You know, if you win week one, because in the eighties, the Niners often played a tight week one or they out and out lost. And we're talking about really good Niners teams. Uh, And so the, I have about eight of them here, which I, I consider the best opening weekend games for the Niners. Uh, 1986, they beat the Bucks 31 to seven. So 86 is, you know, they, 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 after winning in 84, they had a couple of soft years and then they're back in 88 and 89, but in 86, they were still a really good football team. That was the year of the Chicago bears though. Uh, 1992, they beat the New York giants 31 to 14. So that is post Montana. Uh, that is Steve Young's team. Uh, Montana's still on the roster, but he was, I think he was hurt all season mm-hmm. long. And, and Steve Young is, is, is the QB one there. And this is the most memorable one to me. Like if you, if someone had asked me like, what's the biggest win the 49ers would have had on opening weekend. Uh, this is the one that would have come to mind. Jerry Rice breaking the touchdown record against mm-hmm. the Raiders on Monday night football, 1994. That's the last time the 49ers won the Super Bowl. It has been quite a long time since then, but that is the one that I would have remembered. However, that is not the biggest victory to open the season. The biggest victory would have been the Dennis Erickson coached 2003. I mentioned Jeff Garcia Mm. earlier. 
They beat the Bears 49 to 7 opening weekend. I don't remember this game. And the reason why I don't remember it is because they would go on to be seven and nine that season. Mm. Harbaugh's first year, they beat the Seahawks 33 to 17. It's a pretty good win. Uh, Harbaugh's first ever coached 49ers game. Uh, and then you may remember this game, not a not a crazy offensive game, but uh, they would the Niners would go on and beat Adrian Peterson's Minnesota Vikings 20 to 3 on the PM or the late night Monday night football game. First game coached by one Jim Tom Sula. Oof. And it gets worse. The next year, they roll the Rams 28 to 0 in a se- in a season I think they only won like two games. Mm. Head coach Chip Shit. Kelly. Yeah. And then in 2019, which would have been Shanahan's first week one victory they beat the bucks 31 17 so i was trying to find any sort of correlation to if winning big week one means much um it is a sort of a sign for success but also it's it's not if if we consider jim Tomsula and chip kelly being one and dones for their 49er career so i had successfully until you mentioned him deleting um Dennis Erickson from my memory <laughs> banks and unfortunately cannot delete Tom Sula and Kelly from my memory banks. I wish I really wish I could. Um, I was looking yeah. for some Nolan, uh, some Mike Nolan stuff there, but uh, we, yeah, have, I don't think for, they won an opening no, weekend with Mike Nolan <laughs> for such a, for such a story franchise. We've had some, um, we've had some, some rough stretches, but yeah, um, I think Kyle, I think he's now, one under 500 in his opening days. I think he's now three and four, which is, you know, getting moving to the right direction. You know, he had some, some bad teams early. Yes. And um, so, yeah, it's just, it's just a good win. And now we've got our scuffling. Well, we, we don't know if to scuffling, but you know, no Cooper cup, um, you know, the, the Rams just kind of seem in disarray. And when they're winning championships, we seem to have their number. So yeah, it, it's going to, but again, you can, you know, the, the, the old cliche is, you know, when you have rivalries, rivalries like that, you can throw the records out of the, out the window. Um, so, I, you know, while we had a really good win this week, you know, I would not, you know, pencil, I, you know, I just don't think in the NFL you can afford to just p- to pencil in any win yeah, um, against anybody, especially on the road against a division rival. Um, so again, we just need to keep doing what we're doing and continue to be as efficient as we have been. And if those dudes are down, not do anything that, um, gives them any life or any hope, just put our foot on their throat and just, you know, go ahead and and handle our business. If we go back to the podcast that we listened to, uh, in the, in the summer there, earlier in the summer, uh, the playmakers, it, there is a little bit of big brother, little brother stuff mm-hmm. with Shanahan and McVeigh. But if you're a Rams fan, you're like, yeah, you guys can win all the regular season matchups. We won right. when it counted to go to the actual big game. So that's what they will have. And, you know, mm-hmm. one, uh, Brad Evans, who co-hosts Thompson to Clark with me, uh, he's a, he's a huge Rams fan. So he and I go back on it, but you know, I, it's, it's interesting. Cause I feel like 
even though historically 49ers Rams has been the rival, mm-hmm. I feel like our current fan base has more hatred for the Seahawks than we mm-hmm. do for the Rams for whatever he probably be because of, you know, the Harbaugh and, uh, and, and Pete stuff. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I think the Niners just play the Rams well because Shanahan has a little bit of an edge. And so I, I go into this game thinking, and it, you say it's a road game. There's going to be more Niner fans well, there than Rams fans in that, that state. That's the thing. That's the thing about LA. Um, they still <laughs> are, you know, they were gone for like 12 years and yeah. they really still haven't. Um, it was not just us. You know, if you, watch any Rams at all, you know, you see that most weeks the, the opponent's team, you know, with them, with the Raiders, most weeks, it's like they're playing road games. The, yeah. the opponents um, are outnumbering um, Rams fans, you know, like two to one. So it, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic um, when you're trying to reestablish yourself in a market like they are, which I mean, it, it's been a while now you would think, that, um, they, and they won a championship, but yeah, that's such matter. a fickle. That's such a fickle. Um, if you're not the Dodgers or the Lakers, it's um, it's really really tough. And and and, and most times, it's been my experience that even the Dodgers and the Lakers losing is more of a story than any of those other yeah. teams down there, with the possible exception of when USC is winning, winning um national natties. Um, they might even be third yeah um, ahead of any of those other teams um it's just it's just a weird market um that way um so it's gonna be you know like you say it probably will be a home game for the Niners <laughs> so watching uh I, this is the first time I've had red zone in a very long time like mm-hmm. I I was a direct TV customer for a little while mm-hmm. but since I've been going Hulu live um because I, I don't know if they had this last year. I, if if they did, I, I didn't even realize. But they offer Red Zone Channel on Hulu Live TV cart, now, huh? mm-hmm. so I was able to add that. I mean, I had to take on some random ass other channels that I would mm-hmm. never take. But <laughs> the, so, but you know, it's it's a channel that is on for six hours on Sunday, and now mm-hmm. I, you know I'm paying for it until the football season's over. But it, it's kind of cool having it, like because we're doing the show, and I got red zone on in the background and i'm able to see that the rams actually have a seven to three lead over the seahawks here um and seahawks are look like they're about to score though uh so yeah it's, it's kind of cool because you know red zone and all that was all direct tv but now with mm-hmm. uh that whole thing being youtube tv and now the app the nfl app where you have the plus version of the app you could also get red zone and then like you said the all 22 stuff so the, there, there's more ways to watch the NFL uh, now, and I, and I think that you know the, what, what a cash cow. Like the only, the like the real, the NFL is like television. Like it's the mm-hmm. most important thing on television. You know, you could take your, you know, your prestige television shows. You know, I don't even know. I, I can't even. I don't even know what other normal television show draws uh, a large amount of viewership outside of the nfl like even you know even the nba finals which does a really good number it is still so it's like half of what you know a a a sunday night football game would do so Mm -hmm. nfl is just king and they're just doing so many things correctly with with how and i know shelvin had to 
fork out some dough to watch the Niners on uh, YouTube TV. He wasn't happy about the price, but hopefully the product and the experiences, it makes up for it a little bit. Yeah, I am so happy that I am, you know, at least for the, in the short term, back here in the Bay Area. So I so it's not really a concern if I'm going to be able to watch the Niners because, it, you know, if you're out of market, it's really a crapshoot as to whether or not, you know, you're going to be able to get them. Now, I know this season we got we have quite a few um oh <laughs> uh, 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 shelvin shelvin said youtube sucks i can't figure out how to change the channel easily <laughs> no but my dad's in the same boat cuz he's at, in arizona too so mm-hmm. i think i don't i don't know exactly how he watched i don't know if he forked over the cash for youtube i got to ask him but uh but so yeah you know it's it's different it's new it's you know, it probably allows them to draw a, a younger audience too, because you know, I imagine the people who still have Directv are, are a very older demographic. So, I've um, I was having a conversation with somebody online talking about, um, you know, he was making this ridiculous argument about revenue and how ticket sales and all that. Where where we're clearly the NFL's revenue is driven by gambling and TV revenue. Um, you know, they could, you know, I'm not saying they're not going to take our ticket and parking and hot dog money but that's not what's driving the growth towards you know the 25 um 25 million a year by 2027 that raj is going for but you know for me the next frontier as they continue with their product and um the growth and the way that you're able to consume it and it gets more and more um boutique in terms of being able to see different angles and that's what i love about it is at being at home is that i can rewind yep and i can do my on-demand replays and whatnot that is the next frontier in my mind if they want to get me to spend the amount of money that it costs to go to a game because i love especially the road experience. I love going on road trips and seeing all the red and white jerseys in town, you know, throughout the week and just communing with fans and going to the game. But the in the the in game product in the stadium just can't match watching it at home. Yes. So if they that's the next frontier. If they can figure if they can get that dialed in where I can make um, where you know have seat back, you know, like they do on the airplanes, where you have like monitors on the seat back, and you can kind of curate the experience you're having watching the game in stadium. That was what that's what would have to happen to me to go to more games. You know, um, well, hopefully, we you can... know, the Apple headset. That's that's uh... what they would love to do with that headset. Is and and here's how I've heard it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll use the UFC as a a reference point here or as an example. Like, let's say, you know, you want to be front row at a UFC fight. So you would have that vantage point of the fight and of the fighters. And obviously, I'm sure you could sort of change it out. But, you know, you could get the angle that you want or an NBA game where you want to sit courtside, you could have the angle that you want to watch it from or the perspective in the camera of what you want to watch it from. The other thing that I think that, and and Apple TV has done this for their baseball product, Mm -hmm. which is I I'm totally fine with a, you know, Greg Olson and uh, 
his play by play guy, Kevin, I forget Kevin's last name. Harley. They're a, they're a really fun team. Mm-hmm. Daryl Johnston, Mr. Dallas Cowboys. I'm not as happy with eh. him. He's all right. He's but, fine. You know, he's he's okay. It. In that instance, what I would like to do is I would like to dial up Greg Papa. Maybe if I could eliminate Tim Ryan, but I'd like to dial mm-hmm. up Greg Papa and uh, listen to him through my television. Now on Apple TV's baseball thing, you could actually choose your, your radio feed. And so I can listen to John Miller and Dave Fleming while I'm watching the Apple baseball product on, on, on television. So that would be an added bonus. And, and if you are a YouTube TV person and you're already paying this enormous price tag, that that would be a nice additive. That would be something that, you know, maybe you could keep that to help keep customers and, and, and keep the churn down. Listen to Papa, listen to Ryan as you watch the television version of the product. I think that would be cool. Or, and this this goes back to the Peyton Manning and Eli Manning and the Omaha stuff. You know, imagine if you could get some, uh, you know, a different version of a broadcast. So for us, you know, we're talking about this matchup between TJ Watt and Colton McKivitz. You know, you could have maybe folks who are more uh, line focused. Maybe mm-hmm. there's folks more defensive back focused as they're explaining how things are happening. Um, in addition to just giving you sort of the normal play by play, like those are some angles that they could go with, but you know, that that's kind of really niche kind of stuff where you're trying mm-hmm. to keep consumers, but I would love the idea of that. Cause you know, the Niners, if they are not the a one game on Fox, they're, we're going to get some randos announcing these games who aren't great teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for our team, the Niners should be pretty good. I kind of want to hear the A team, you know, most of the time. I want to hear, you know, you want you want to hear the Al Michaels team. You want to hear the Joe Buck and Troy Aikman because that makes it feel like these games are more important than the other games. And so I, I want me, these teams to be a little bit better. Watch me – um Rod Kareem this right off the rails. <laughs> or with AI, you could give me Joe Starkey and uh-huh. Gary Plummer. What about or what? Pat Summerall and John Madden? We can just have them AI the game with with the old timers. Oh yeah. Um, you totally could. There's so much. <laughs> there's so I mean, think about how many actual words of John Madden saying something is <laughs> out like how many years did he do football since i think 81 may have mm-hmm. been the first season that he did the nfl and then he went all the way until like the early uh no maybe the late 2000s i mm-hmm. think was, was so there's so many words did you did you ever watch the wilt chamberlain documentary on showtime mm-hmm. that they ai'd his voice mm-hmm. in there and it was fine it was totally yeah. cool i didn't mm-hmm. feel like it, they were i mean his family signed off on it and everything and I thought that was really cool. So yeah, the, you're totally you know, right. It, you know, it's really scary the things that they are able to do with that. Now I had heard like this fake um, Joe Rogan podcast. It really, <laughs> if you hadn't told me, if you if you hadn't have told me that it wasn't Joe, I wouldn't have known. And that that's really scary. Where you can deep fake mm-hmm. um, something like that for long stretches of long form content that it's really it's really weird and pretty scary it is it's very <laughs> scary i've i've taken some tutorials on ai stuff just because you know for your work you know they they, mm-hmm. they want us 
uh, kind of tra- not really trained on it, but they just want us to have some ideas. No, weird. And uh, I'm sort of anti because of the content creator aspect of it, mm-hmm. because of why Hollywood doesn't want it and, and all mm-hmm. that. I'm, so I'm resistant to it, but we can only be resistant for so long because mm-hmm. it's coming. And it's it, it, there, there's going to be some evil, evil uses of it. And it's going to take, you know, there, it's going to fake out a lot of really dumb people. You know, exactly. it's, it's going to be the new misinformation. So mm-hmm. all of the all of the, the the Trump lovers who were getting faked out, not not smart people on that side who who were vote just voting for for the side, but the real like dumb people who were like following all the the stuff that he was saying that wasn't making any sort of sense. Those are the people who are going to get faked out. Who like don't crazy. vet any of the information that they that whatever is given to them they just if it if it conforms to what it is their viewpoint is they just run with it without any sort of hmm maybe i should maybe i should go to cnn or yeah fox news or wherever maybe i should maybe i should try to vet this information (laughs) somewhat you know and see if this is really real um yeah it'll be weaponized for sure and mm -hmm. i think you know there will have to be uh hopefully you know your aunties and uncles who usually fall for that stuff you can you know maybe it's up to us to go like hey 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 like don't don't, don't be don't, re- do don't, don't be putting that, yeah. this thing on facebook this is totally right, right. Fake. <laughs> <laughs> don't, all right don't don't let that be you <laughs> so the last uh, thing i want to talk about we didn't talk about the defense at all and i think we should because i thought uh fred warner was awesome in this game uh he had he had one play where uh, he had a sure interception and he kind of juggled it. And I saw the jokes coming out about how, you know, all that juggling practice for nothing, mm-hmm. you know, you can't catch that ball. And, but then he had a fantastic play where he tipped the ball in the air and Hufunga intercepted it and, uh, and, and made a, a, a nice return on that. So Fred Warner looked awesome. I thought Bosa just for his gravity, like you explained all off season long, his gravity made some openings for other players because uh, none other than Drake Jackson. Two sacks. Three sacks. Three. He had he a had, third one. Okay. He got a third one. He had three sacks today. Uh, Drizzy, as I like to call him, he had three sacks. Uh, and even late in the game, uh, Hargrave picked up his first sack as a 49er player. Uh, and then Kerry Hyder Jr. also had one. So they had five sacks in total. None of them were uh, Bosa, but th- you, his gravity did change what they were doing. You, he, he got close a couple times, and he got held specifically one time. Uh, and then Shelvin and I, late late in the game, he got close. He kind of got pushed. And then he took a blindside block after going down to a knee, and we were like, take this dude out. <laughs> Shelvin and I both at the same time. Uh, wrote, wrote it in our discord so uh, but yeah the, i thought the defense you know outside of that series where they were just in dime and pittsburgh was running the the two minute you know there was a couple of plays where demo uh it was getting picked on a little bit um and i think he was also the one who had the penalty that allowed uh that Najee harris run to get uh extra yards tacked onto it so um you know the, if you want to again we talk about the the nitpicking you know some some demo some ambry thomas you know mm-hmm. in that one series where they were getting picked on a bit but otherwise uh defensively uh that you know that they, they played a super strong game i hadn't totaled it up look at drizzy having himself a game three tackles 
three sacks, three quarterback hits, two tackles for loss. Man. He looks big, too. Mm-hmm. That's, he, he, that is a ball game right there. Go on, young fella. Yeah. No, and, and think about that, right? Like, because we have him penciled in as, as a backup, and we don't, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, how good this defense will be if Kinlaw reaches, you know, even close to his potential. If 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 Drake Jackson, you know, is all of a sudden coming in uh, with fresh fresh legs as as a, a third defensive end and just being able to you know to pick up a sack here and there to help out that defense, it's just you know you talk about the offensive weapons, but defensively as well, if they can get so if some of these guys are in positions, you know, you're not you don't need him, you don't need Drake to to play every, you know, to be the big playmaker on defense, you need him to come in and, you know, have fresh legs and, and show off some of that youth and athleticism. And, and if he can, you know, if he can make plays from that position, that's just, that's just money in the bank. Well, that's the guy he's, he's one of those guys that you, you want be if, if you're going to be, cause I saw it, we saw it a little bit today if you're going to be double teaming Hargrave and you're going to be double teaming Nick, that means you're going to be single blocking dudes like Armstead and Drake. And that's what you do. You, you have those guys have to make them pay for trying to single block them. And um, Drake did that. And Armstead had a couple of really big plays. I know one kind of got blown back um, where he had, um, I think, Farrell ended up getting the actual sack, but it was um, based on an opportunity that um, Armstead created with the quick pressure and then Pickett moved up and Farrell cleaned him up. Um, but if you, you know, Armstead is one of those dudes, he's just so big that it's going to be hard for anybody, any one dude to single block him. Uh, but you can't, if you can't, if you're not going to be able to single block um, Hargrave and, and you can't single block Nick, it, it, that's just, you know, you can't. So these guys have to make them make teams pay for, um, for double teaming those dudes. And, you know, Drake is off to a great start. That is, I'm sure that is what um, they envisioned for someone of his size and athleticism to be able to do. That's one hell of a season start for him. And, and we didn't see it a lot today because they didn't necessarily need it. But you you were talking about Wilkes's blitz packages, mm-hmm. and that is also going to disrupt a lot of these double teams because if you can sort of figure out what the offense is going to try to do, and you can bring pressure, and they're using two guys to block one, and then one guy just goes free, mm-hmm. that's going to be that's going to be great. Did you uh, did you see? Anything about uh, anything from Farrell? Yeah, he had a couple of um, big plays. He had a tackle for loss, and he also had how many? It was I got it here. He had um, one pressure and one sack. So yeah, that was a good first game for him as well. Um, These guys don't have to, you know, it's not like we're counting on them to create tons of pressure because we've got guys who we're counting on to make plays, but when they have opportunities, those dudes need to produce, kind of like 
um, Ebukam and Amenihu did last season. You don't, we don't need you to be a star. We just need you to contribute. And he, he did his job today and Hyder got in there late. Um, so those guys just need to really, um, they need to capitalize on some of the opportunities that, um, our stars give them and that, you know, they, they got high marks for that today. Five sacks is, is a nice start. Uh, if you, if you can get five with sacks. none from both Bosa. So, I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. If you can get five every game, you're, you're, you're doing some good stuff. All right. Last thing before we get out of here, the biggest question mark, maybe in the off season was the mustachio Jake Moody. Now he didn't handle kickoffs today, which, I, I'm assuming is probably more health so that, related. Yeah, health related, and you don't want to test that that quad. And but his kick, his uh, his field goal kicks looked really good. Uh, he was also three of three on both uh, field goals and PATs. And there was the first PAT. I, I think they had to walk back five yards. Uh, so you know that was more like a field goal. Uh, but yeah, he you know he passed them now. In a, in a game where it's not super close, there's no pressure. I know Tomlin tried to ice him the first time, and and uh, it didn't work. So that's good. But yeah, you know, he, there's going to be some pressure kicks for him that are coming, and uh, he is still a rookie, uh, and, and you know he's going to have some. Hopefully, we'll have some some for <clears throat> failure. But asked the first test, which is the the opener after a really shaky preseason, which we now wonder. If the injury was, was was kind of part of the issue for him, but uh, uh, can't wait to see him fully unleashed because you know as much as I love money making Mitch, you know kicking it to the two yard line is not going to be great. Mm-mm. Kickoff and that's which was one not of the today. and that was one of the the benefits that you're going to sell me on if you're going to sell me on Moody is the fact that um he's an instant touchback so. Yeah, hopefully we can um, deploy that weapon sooner rather than later. Yeah. All right, so we'll be back next week after they play the Rams. Uh, it's a, a late game, so we'll be up a little bit later. It's not a morning game uh, from what I understand. I think it's a one oh five game. So we'll be back uh, next week talking 49ers, Rams. You know, I've been thinking I probably won't put these on YouTube, but it, I, I, I think – there's an opportunity for me to do some solo podcasts, just more like short ones about, you know, any sort of updates with the roster or injury reports or something, just kind of like a little midweek check-in that I might think about doing. I I would, I just want to test some stuff for the audio feed only. Uh, We'll save the YouTube and the podcast for, for these live stream post games, but uh, there might, there may be some other stuff coming into uh into our podcast feed so i i i'm i may test some stuff uh at, at some point uh w- w- with the 49ers this season so all right thank you to rod for hanging out thanks to shelvin thanks to everybody who watched and listened to the podcast version i am double g we will see you when we see you peace out Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.